Texas Tech has a variety of forwards that come into the 2022-2023 basketball season with the opportunity to get significant playing time. I'll cover each of them and their individual traits and what I think their potential role could be on today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. It is a nice Tuesday morning here. First off, I just want to thank everyone for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. If you did not check out yesterday's episode about the Lady Raiders basketball program and the new NIL deal courtesy of Level 13 Marketing, I do highly recommend you check that out. It's wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube, and while you're there, you can go ahead and give the YouTube channel a subscription. I would really appreciate that. I appreciate all the support and the feedback. Today, though, we're going to be talking about the men's basketball program, because one day of basketball necessitates another day of basketball. And we've already heard enough football to talk as of late, so it's time to get back to basketball. So to keep this off, I think the first thing to do is we should first off look at the program as a whole. This has been a busy offseason for Mark Adams with guys like TJ Shannon Kevin McCulloch, Malik Wilson, you've had Shibuzo Agbo, all of them leaving the program. And that has left the program with quite a bit of a void at this point. And so to fill that, you had to bring in a lot of transfers and a lot of young guys. Some of them you got done during the season. Guys like Jalen Tyson came on from Texas. You saw Kevin O'Banner return to school. KJ Allen returns. Some of them you had to get through the transfer portal. You saw someone like Kerwin Walton coming in from UNC. You saw Bardell's Amac coming in from Utah Valley. You saw as well as that guys like Davion Harmon coming in from Oregon. And then some of those guys you had to bring up from the high school ranks, Robert Jennings being one of them we'll talk about today, as well as the prize commitment of Elijah Fisher, a borderline five-star reclass guy. And he has been sensational at times over the course of his basketball career. So there's a lot to cover about this new basketball roster, but today I said I'm going to take a look at the forward position because that is where we see quite a bit of newcomers and young guys. We already talked about the guards this offseason, so there's a lot of interesting talk, a lot of interesting things to cover. So before I get into any of this, I do want to say if you want to check out the guard podcast that I talked about that came out a couple of weeks ago, I will link that in the description. As well as that, we have individual videos on pretty much all of the transfers between Ryan and I that we talked about back a couple months ago. It's been almost two months since we saw Kerwin Walton join the team, so there's been a lot of dead period there, but still quite a lot of news to talk about, as well as that Elijah Fisher has been a little while since he committed. So there's it's been a while since we talked about those guys, but I will ch- I'll make sure to link the guard preview and you can check out literally anything on any of those players on our YouTube, on our podcast, wherever you get your podcast. We have all of the, all of the information there, quite a bit of offseason basketball content for you to go back through. But talking about Elijah Fisher, that is the first thing I want to talk about in the forward position, because he might be the single most intriguing and maybe unknown player out there for Texas Tech. And this is a guy that throughout his junior career, I guess you could call it his high school prep career, 
guy from Canada. He has been really highly ranked. He was a top 10 prospect really all the way up until the last year and kind of fallen back a little bit compared to what I think a lot of people thought he might be as we got up into the college ranks. So he ended up being a borderline five-star prospect after he reclassified. And so there's a lot of debate there as to whether or not that might be a little bit of an internal bias because of his reclassification status. But regardless, this is one of the best basketball recruits that Texas Tech has ever been able to land. Elijah Fisher is a blue-chip prospect. There is no getting around that. He has been someone that's played in the international front for years now. He's been representing his country. And the prep level, he's been an elite-level player. And if you look at what he is ranked in the 247 composite, 247 comp, he is 44th nationally. I believe he's a five-star through rivals. And he is one of Texas Tech's best commitments of all time. So, again, a team that has quite a bit of basketball prowess in the recent memory. You've got guys like Jemias Ramsey coming in. Namari Burnett, Micah Peavy, Elijah Fisher ranks fourth according to the composite rankings. I think he's maybe a little bit better than that. I think he got kind of downgraded because of a really strong incoming 2022 class nationally, as well as that, again, some concerns about his reclassification. But the but regardless, the reality of the situation, the guy can play. He's 18 years old. He's still pretty young for a guy coming in as a freshman in college. He was only born in 2004, which makes me feel really old. So... Elijah Fisher is a guy with a lot of athleticism. That is the first thing that really jumps off the page when you look at Fisher. He's a guy that can slash really well, has a lot of natural talent when it comes to getting in the basket. He's developed re reasonably well as a ball handler. I mean, if you look at his most recent international play in the FIBA Americans under 18 tournament, he had almost as many turnovers as assists. But watching those games, I feel like his playmaking was pretty good. It was at least more developed than what I had seen on tape over the last year on the EYBL circuit that he played on, as well as some of those prep tapes. So certainly a development for Fisher there. But the big thing that Elijah Fisher brings to the table is simply his scoring. He has the ability to light it up from inside the arc. I mean, you look at what he was able to do against Argentina in that tournament, in that U18 tournament, and just stuff like that. He's been really effective whenever he gets the opportunities as a lead ball handler. He's efficient inside the arc. He's got good flexibility. That's something I've mentioned a lot of times when it comes to guys at the forward position. Their ability to contort themselves at the rim is something that Jared Culver was really good at, something TJ Shannon was really good at. Philly Texas Tech wings and wings in general across the college level. The ability to flex and finish from a variety of awkward platforms is what allows wings to be better as finishers. So I will say keep an eye out on that, but that's a strength for Elijah Fisher as is his pure athleticism, guy that has over 40-inch vertical, a lot of burst. I think for someone that's six foot five, six foot six, he has a lot of speed to his game. I think that's going to allow him to play more as a ball handler. So Fisher, a lot of versatility there on the offensive end. The shot is a question mark. We've seen it range from 20 to 30% in a lot of the stats, whether it be through YBL, through his U17, U16 campaigns, and through some of his prep stats that are very hard to find. The shot doesn't look too bad, but it's certainly a work a work in progress. I would say it's probably better than what we saw from Clarence Sadoli entering his first season, but more along the lines of like a TJ Shannon, where his release point's a little bit awkward, and he's just struggled. He's not com he's confident enough to shoot it, but he's not really good enough at this point where it's a consistent weapon. And most recently, in the U18 tournament in 2022, he was awful from three. He was one of 14. If you take out those 
attempts, you're talking to a guy that was 25 of 33 from two-point range. Again, showing his ability to finish at the rim. And even from the mid-range, I think he's got a solid touch from there. So there's potential for Fisher, but it's not quite come together yet on the jump shot. Defensively, I've heard mixed reviews. I've seen mixed feelings, I guess is the word, on his tape. I mean, he looks like a guy that has a lot of natural athleticism. Like I mentioned, he's got good wingspan. He's a positive on that front. I think he's got decent instincts too. I mean, he's someone that can be disruptive. He can play the passing lanes well. Not really an active defender, though, consistently. His steal numbers don't jump off the page at you. His aggressiveness comes and goes. I think positionally he's going to have a little bit of work to do when it comes to staying in front of guys and just being continuing to recognize pick and roll coverage and stuff like that. He seemed to struggle a little bit with getting stuck on screens. Those are just things that you see oftentimes guys coming through from the high school to the college level struggle with. And even though Fisher's a guy that's played ridiculously high levels of competition for somebody coming in to Texas Tech as a freshman, I do think there's going to be an adjustment period there. But the most recent time we saw him again, the U18 tournament in against teams such as Argentina and Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, really stuck off the page for me. That was something that I feel like had quite a bit of bearing because he looked better on the defensive end there. And so I've got confidence in Fisher, but more on that. I think the bigger guy that has turned a lot of heads on the basketball, on the Texas Tech basketball side of things is Jalen Tyson, a guy who originally was committed to Texas Tech before Chris Beard left for Texas, followed Beard to Texas, lasted there all of less than 10 games, transferred back to Texas Tech this past winter, was part of the program all the way through the Sweet 16 run, got to practice every single day, heard great things about him. Now this offseason, we've heard even more good things. He is a guy that looks like he's going to feature heavily in forward rotation. I've already talked quite a bit about him on this podcast. Ryan, of course, used to co-host this. He was a big Jalen Tyson fan. Obviously, their connection from Plano. Shout out to Ryan on that one. But Jalen Tyson's a guy that has a lot of versatility and a lot of talent to him. We've seen him act as a ball handler. We've seen him act as an off-ball guy. I certainly think that athleticism is not there like it is with Elijah Fisher, but still, it's a guy with a lot of natural offensive skill to his game. The three-point shot looked really good in high school, really good on film, but in Texas, we really didn't get to see it. He's a patient player offensively. I think that's going to factor in, and I think the ball handling is maybe the biggest swing skill. Fish shows up like we're hearing it is in practice and like we've seen at times over the last couple of years on his film. I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. But with that said, that's a little bit of a swing skill. But if you look at what he brings to the table, there's no reason he can't start from day one. I really do think that Jalen Tyson, in terms of raw talent, and at least from what people are saying and what we've seen at the high school level, is maybe the most talented forward on the roster when it comes to skill set. He's not the most athletic, but he's got a year in the uh, half a year in the program. That will give him an advantage over a guy like Elijah Fisher. He plays a position that he's got the the strength and the height to be able to really be someone that plays at the uh, small forward position, but he's also got the ball handling and fluidity to possibly be someone that can be a secondary ball handler. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about Jalen Tyson's fit. I think the offense there is going to be huge. The defense I'm a little bit concerned about, but again, we've heard good things about him. We've heard that that's a place where he's made a step forward over the offseason. So Jalen Tyson, I really do think, is going to be contending heavily for a starting position. But who will he start alongside at the forward position? I'll take some more looks at some of the bigger guys that could also pass as centers and bigs. 
coming up next. But first, there's a message from Built Bar and our good friends that I have to share with you. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourselves of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's our new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to my favorite Built Bar and what will be your new favorite Built Bar, the Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, covered in 100% real chocolate. They have all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. That is a lot. So you can run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It'll be perfect. It'll be a perfect treat. And it's healthy, and it'll fit with whatever you need it for, whether it be a workout, post-workout thing, a pre-workout thing, a breakfast, a lunch, hey, maybe even a dessert. Cookie dough covered chunk puffs are the way to go, and you can find them at Built.com. You can use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCK15 at Built.com to get 15% off whatever you order, and you should try the cookie dough chunk puffs because they are my favorite personally. Back again, talking about Texas Tech basketball, the forward position. We already covered the we already covered the younger guys in the rotation for the most part with Jalen Tyson and Elijah Fisher. But real quickly, I want to touch on Robert Jennings because he's the third really young guy that is in that mix. I have to say I'm a little bit pessimistic on Robert Jennings getting playing time right away in year one. I do think that he is probably the biggest development piece that Texas Tech has and has recruited over the last season. I highly doubt that he gets severe playing time unless there's something that comes up and maybe injuries, some sort of COVID outbreak, something like that. I don't want to jinx that, but certainly Jennings has a lot to work on when it comes to his game. I think he's got the natural athleticism and some high field stuff that makes me optimistic about his future, but there's a lot of things to work on, including the jump shot. And I think he's maybe a year away, but still a really valuable piece to the puzzle eventually. And I do think that Jennings is going to have a place on this team. It just maybe not won't show up this year, but the other guys that are at the forward position in Kevin O'Banner and KJ Allen or I think more worthy of talking about, even if a guy like AJ Allen doesn't get in the rotation, which I'll talk about in a minute. But Kevin O'Banner, man, where to start with this first season at Texas Tech? There was a lot to like about it, believe it or not. His rebounding was really good, even if the numbers don't necessarily show it out. 1.6 offensive rebounds per game. In conference play, he had a couple really big games on the glass that sort of saved Texas Tech in a lot of ways. The Notre Dame game, a 15-15 and 15 game in the NCAA tournament. His highlight game really was a double-double against Baylor where he had 23 points, 13 rebounds, dropped 21 after halftime in that one. A sensational effort from O'Banner. But the consistency wasn't quite what I think people were expecting, more specifically the consistency on the jump shot. I do think that that is something that O'Banner needs to be a little bit better at this season because he was really recruited from Oral Roberts as a three-point specialist. If you look at what he was able to do with Max Aismas there, in the NCAA tournament, it was incredible. This is a guy that dropped 30 points in a tournament game in 2021 uh, as part of a Sweet 16 team. Didn't quite see that level of offensive production this past year. He was almost a he was almost a 47% three-point shooter in his junior year at Oral Roberts. Close to 50-40-90. He missed it on the three, free throw 
part of things. And even that took a step back this past season for Texas Tech, where he dropped to only being a 76% free throw shooter. I say only 76%. 76% is not bad, but it's not what Kevin O'Banner can do. So the shot needs to be a little bit better. I think we saw flashes of it. We saw it against Baylor. We saw it against Texas when Chris Beard came to town. We saw it at times during conference play, but it just never quite came together from O'Banner. On the road, he was 10%. He was 10% worse from three-point range than at home. That is another massive split for him. So there's a lot of reason to maybe be a little pessimistic when it comes to Kevin O'Banner. But at the same time, we saw that shot at Oral Roberts. We saw some of the offensive development. Again, really efficient from the two-point range, even when his three-point shot wasn't going. That was something that allowed him to play more effectively in conference play, over 55% at times during that that stretch. Really a good guy on the glass as well, like I mentioned. And the defense, I felt like, took a positive step. He was more switchable. If that continues forward, he's an obvious pick to start at the four. But really, I think that his development this season is going to be as to whether if he can stretch the four like he will, like he can, he is going to be a complete X factor for this team. And speaking of X factors, KJ Allen, I'm really not high on KJ Allen when it comes to being in the rotation. I've said this before on the podcast. We had a full episode dedicated to talking about KJ Allen back in April. I do want recommend that you check that out. If anything, just because I think it kind of gives a little bit of insight as to what my rationale behind being a little bit lower on KJ Allen is, but to kind of cut to the cheese on it. I think the biggest thing with him is just the lateral needs to improve significantly. We've seen him drop some weight since he came to Texas Tech, and even this past offseason, we've seen continued development there. We've seen him improve his quickness a little bit, but I just think that there's so much to overcome there, and it's hard. It really is. He went a full year without playing competitive basketball. That's going to be hard on anybody, but by the time he came back in 2021, he was almost two years removed from his last competitive game. That is difficult to do for anyone, so... It's understandable. I think he's undersized. That's an issue. He doesn't really have a jump shot. He's over three from three, five of 14 from the free throw line last season. Not really a natural playmaker. And you combine that with the athletic, the uh, lateral quickness shortcomings. I think there's reason to be pessimistic. But with that said, he's a guy with a ton of strength and vertical. And that could be A, exciting if you want to do a dunk contest for Texas Tech athletes. But B, Something that I think there's reason to be optimistic that if he can get the lateral quickness together, I think he can also have a little bit of improvement when it comes to kind of defensive feel and switching efficiency. That's something I saw him struggle with last year. He kind of got lost on the island at times, especially off the ball. But if everything goes well, you could see him in the rotation. And I do think there are some benefits to him. His rebounding tenacity is really impressive. He also has a lot of grit. And I think that eventually he could have a good touch around the rim. He's certainly a strong finisher. So there's a lot to like there. I just think that it's maybe a little bit too far away at the moment, but we'll see on KJ Allen. I'm excited to see how he develops from year one to year two, but that's going to be kind of all of the individual players. But coming up next, I'm going to talk about how I see them fitting into the rotation. But first I have a message from our friends at LinkedIn. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then you can add your job on the 
purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs at number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Well, I didn't know that, but it's certainly a really good thing to know. Certainly, LinkedIn Jobs is very effective. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Back again, talking locked on Texas Tech basketball, men's basketball 2022-2023 season. The forwards are the most important topic of discussion today. But in order to understand them, I think we need to talk about every other position. So the guards, again, I'll link the preview for them in the description. But certainly the guards are an important are an important position because, but, ten, but wow depending on how they end up doing. You could easily see guys covering anywhere from one to three positions, and that means that there could be less or more more minutes available to the forwards, like guys like Jalen Tyson and Elijah, Elijah Fisher. You probably are going to see a lot of Kevin O'Banner regardless, but he could also slot into the bigs where you have Daniel Bacho and Farrell's AMAC. Again, I'm going to cover those two extensively in the next podcast I do about basketball, which should be next week. A little bit of a preview and a foreshadowing on that. But the reason I'm isolating those two guys is because I think there's a lot to talk about about schematic fit with them. So that's why I'm going to leave them off. But in the meantime, basically those two guys, how Bacho develops and how AMAC is conditioned or is going to impact how much minutes have to be allocated to the rest of the forwards. So Fisher and Tyson are kind of going to be impacted by the guard rotation. O'Banner, Jennings, and Allen are all going to be impacted by the bigs. But at the end of the day, I think it's pretty clear to me that Jalen Tyson has a lot, and I mean a lot of hype around him from within the program and outside of the program. So there's all the reason in the world to believe that Tyson has the front-running track to be a starter from day one. So I'm going to pick him to start at the three. I think Elijah Fisher will also command a few minutes in that slot as well. Although guys like Kerwin Wollen and Lamar Washington are going to factor into that mix. But I will say, I think Tyson's going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of 23 to 28 minutes per game. Fisher probably closer to about 15. I know that sounds a little low for one of the highest rated recruits in Texas Tech basketball history. But first off, I think he's a little bit raw when it comes to the jump shot in the defense. And second off, I think that this is just a simply stat team and he's going to be with a lot of guys in that minute range i want to be surprised if one of demario williams or Kerwin walton ends up in that minutes range as well as well as lamar washington so certainly 15 minutes a game for fisher doesn't sound as bad or doesn't end up being as bad as it sounds because it's still a key role on this team again tyson i have starting at three kevin o'banner seems like the obvious pick to start at the four he's going to be there Again, if he can improve his shooting from last year, I really think he's dangerous because we saw improvements in just about every other aspect of his game, whether it be the passing, rebounding, defense, switchability, and even some of the instinctive fill. All of that improved, especially his finishing at the rim. So if he can just continue that development, improve his jump shot back to what it was at Oral Roberts, even somewhere close, I think he's going to be a really dangerous player. I see him getting about 28 minutes a game. 
And then you bring in guys like KJ Allen and Robert Jennings. I don't think either of them are going to crack the rotation. If I had to pick one, I would say Allen's probably a little bit closer. Jennings has more long-term upside, but I think he's just not quite there yet. But it'll be interesting to see how both of those guys end up. But certainly the forward position, basically three guys that are purely forwards, I could see making the rotation or being integrate parts of the rotation, as well as KJ Allen being maybe a fringe guy. So that's that. I think that Tyson starts. I think O'Banner starts. I think Fisher plays a notable role. I think Allen might crack the rotation, but I'm personally a little bit more pessimistic on that. And I think Jennings is a long-term project. But that covers the forwards. Next up, we'll cover the bigs. But first, we got to talk about some football. So tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about the position preview, looking at the linebacker group, because there's been a lot of turnover there compared to last season. For Joey McGuire's first year and Tim Dorier's first year as the defensive coordinator, I'll cover the linebackers tomorrow. In the meantime, again, you can find the guard preview as well as any of our transfer previews about Texas Tech basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the position previews for football to get yourself ready for tomorrow's podcast where I talk about the linebackers. Those outside of the defensive line preview are all on YouTube, and all of them are on whatever podcast platform you get your podcasts on. But besides that, you can follow me on Twitter at Eraser41. You can follow the Locked On Texas Tech Twitter account at Locked On TTU. You can subscribe to our YouTube. We're almost 500 followers. I do appreciate all the support there. You can leave a review. You can see us wherever you get your podcast feeds. That's been all for today. If you want the second listen every single day to go along with Locked On Texas Tech, Locked On Big 12 is your answer. Hosted by my good friend Josh Neighbors. You can see everything he has to say about Big 12 realignment, about Big 12 football, ranking any position group, all of that stuff and more is on Lockdown Big 12. In addition to the Lockdown Roundtables featuring guys like myself, Jonathan Davis of Lockdown Longhorns, John Williams of Lockdown Sooners, Drake Toll of Lockdown Baylor, Stephen Simcox of Lockdown TCU, and more. So all of that is on Lockdown Big 12. You can make it your second listen today. Do appreciate all the support of Locked on Texas Tech, and I will see you tomorrow.